Welcome to Fly on the Wall, a podcast where you have the opportunity to listen in on a live coaching conversation. Please make sure to like and subscribe. And now for today's episode. How can I serve you today? What do you guys want? What do you want to talk about? Our leadership team is made up of mostly volunteers. Okay. And so just would love your advice on how, how do you how do you lead a team when when most of your team is is working full-time jobs outside the church? Yeah. And just love your thoughts and advice on that. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of a lot of churches, well, most churches are probably there because yeah. most churches aren't running 10,000 or even a thousand. <laughs> they're, yeah. you know, they're in a situation where they've got a lot of volunteer staff, maybe a couple stipends, and that's pretty much all they got. Uh, and so I don't think it's anything new. You know, I think a lot of people are there, but <clears throat> a couple thoughts I have about the volunteers. One, I, I do think that it is important and it's not really what you're asking. I'll, I'll kind of get to that, but I just want to okay. say this before I forget it. It's really important. I think you and I've talked about this before, but it's so important um, that your volunteers um, feel valued and feel like they're getting paid. Now here's yeah. the thing, value. People gravitate to where they feel the most valued. Yeah. So they're gonna gravitate to you and to the vision when they feel most valued by you and the vision. Yeah. So people gravitate to where they feel most valued, but also everybody wants to get paid and it's not by yeah. money. Volunteers get paid by fruit. And that's really important to always remember, like, how are we keeping the fruit, the results, the celebrations in front of them? Um, how are we creatively keeping that? So if you've got a team of volunteers, especially a, a volunteer staff, man, it, it's um, you got to figure out a system by which you're taking the celebrations and putting it into their ears and eyes uh, on a regular basis. Not just when you come together, but it's like, do I do an update once a week? Do I do a two minute video? Do I send them a testimony video of just a little iPhone interview I do with someone, you know? Like, how am I making sure that the volunteers are uh, gaining and understanding the, the fruit and the celebration? So volunteers get paid by fruit. They don't get paid by cash. And if they're paid by fruit, we gotta make sure that enough fruit's in front of them, that they see what we're doing, that it's working, that it matters. And if we only do that once, you know, whatever, they're serving every week, but we only do it every three months, that's a little harder. So if you got a volunteer staff, figure out rhythms like, hey, once a week, every Monday, I tell them what a great Sunday it was. And I let them know everything that we did in a video or how, however you do that, whatever, some thing that you heard or you interviewed someone just with an iPhone. So I think that's an important part. I think the other part is just practical uh, when you're working with a volunteer staff. Uh, clearly you got to, um, I think you have to obviously play around, not play around, but, uh, schedule around their life. You know, uh, they're not having meetings at 10 in the morning that are at work. Uh, so that's not going to happen. I think you got to be sensitive to that. There is something that I tell people. Uh, and so I think you have to be sensitive to that and kind of orchestrate to that. There is something I do tell people that sounds a little harsh, uh, and I don't mean it to, <laughs> but, and this Bring is, it. if you treat people like volunteers, they'll act like volunteers. Now, I don't mean that in a negative way, like acting like the volunteer. I've met some of those amazing volunteers in the world, but my point is when I say you treat them, yeah. I think sometimes we as pastors, I, we gotta be careful with this, but we always excuse it down. Well, they're volunteers. 
they got another job. They got another job. And I, of course they do. But if, if we excuse down every single thing, then we never have a threshold of commitment by we hold them to. You yeah. can't expect 20 hours from them a week. That's just, you're not going to get that. And that's just dumb. That's just not going to work. <laughs> Stop using your head. But if it's like, hey, man, you know, really what they're doing is only about an hour a week and they're still flaking. But, you know, I mean, they're volunteers. It's like at some point, somewhere between understanding their volunteers and their commitment, somewhere that's got to meet. The line's got to meet somewhere. And I hear a lot of people kind of excuse it down to where it's like, no matter what they do, we excuse it down. And I don't, I don't think that's healthy for them. I don't think that's healthy for the kingdom. I think you find the right balance, find what's realistic, and then have them live there. The other thing is with volunteer staff is um, job descriptions and clarity of expectations is really okay. important. You got to be clear, like all up front, this is what, we, what I'm thinking you could do. Can you do that? Here's what, you know, here's the time commitment. Here's what it looks like. Here's the job description. Here's how you're going to report to me. Like clarity, I think is really important. I always say to be unclear is to be unkind. And to be clear and crystal clear um, of, of what their jobs and their expectations are. So those are all kind of the, the way that, because everybody's there, you yeah. know, I'm a founding pastor. We got a bunch of campuses, blah, 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 blah. But when we launch a new campus, it's not like it launches with 500 people and, and millions of dollars. It's like, nope, he's got a volunteer. We've all been there. I've been there. And when we have a new campus, it's always there. So it's not something I've outgrown. They're like, oh, I don't even think about that anymore. No, no, no. It's always in my head. Uh, we always have that. But um, anyway, so those are some of the thoughts that I would say I, th I would find helpful in working with a volunteer staff. Yeah, that's good. What, what are some thoughts then to meeting, meeting with them, um, just navigating uh, the one-on-one the -on -one meetings and the, the team meetings and scheduling those? What, what have you seen work and, and not work in those? Have you, well, let me ask you this. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. What have you identified uh, as the biggest difficulty when you've worked with volunteer staff? I think the biggest difficulty is, yeah, communication. Uh, it's getting them to communicate to me. Um, I feel like I oftentimes have to be the initiator and reaching out. And uh, if, if I don't reach out to them for some of them, not all of them, but some of them, then we will never meet one-on-one. -on -one. We'll never have these conversations and talk about how you doing, what's going on. And so right. that's one of the things I've been working on is trying to get them to have greater initiative and in, I need you to reach out to me. So I'm not the chaser all the time. Yeah. Um, so communication and, hmm. and then just coordinating the schedules, just trying to figure out when you can get together with, with these people and, and have these one-on-ones with them yeah, that's good. to help them. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. I think that's great. Uh, so your, your question was about the flow of meetings, but I do want to just kind of touch on Yeah communication thing uh one is i do think that the reality you know uh it's like the parable of the sower or even to when he gives five talents when he gives two to when he gives one there's different levels that's the thing i don't think that we all understand, you know that we embrace the fact that you know he throws out all the seed and only 25 percent do anything the other 25 percent do something for a while but then fade away like 
that's a reality of how it is to work with people. <laughs> you know, it's like, I got 10 volunteer staff. Yeah, and probably two of them are really good. Three or four medium, three or four, you don't know what they're doing half the time. Like that's probably, if you kind of look at scripture, it's kind of like, yeah, it kind of falls into three or four categories. <laughs> and I, I think that's part of it. Um, I think that I think that is part of it. I think expectations of communication up front is very, very important. Uh, what you expect of them up front, what it's going to look like, um, especially at the staff level. I mean, if they're a volunteer, they're helping out being an usher once a month, that's different. But we're talking about a volunteer staff that's like, okay, please understand, here's what it means before you join the team. So in some cases, we may, in some cases, we may have picked the wrong person. We may have invited the wrong person to the table. I'm not saying that's your case, but in some cases, we, we might invite someone to the table like, yeah, they're probably not a great leader and they're probably going to frustrate us. Uh, and uh, have you ever created that document of, of uh, for like what it's what it's like to work for Tyrone? Have you done that yet? No, I haven't. I've done the expectations and, and, and some of that stuff, um, but I never have. I, I, I started on it, uh, I think, just a couple yeah. months ago, but I didn't complete it. Yeah. It's a great document. Just, yeah. Because then they know up front, like, here's the things that as the leader will frustrate me. Here's the thing, like, if, if I text you and you don't respond back for three days, you know, I like same day text, same day email. Yeah. And then they just know. And they're just like, dude, I'm just too busy. I return text three days later. Okay, well, now you both know. Are you okay with that? Or are you not okay with that? Well, then if you're not okay with that, that's a different story. If you are, then okay. Uh, but I, I, I think clarity is so important. Uh, of of what you expect, what it's like to work for you, asking yourself the tough question: Did I, did I invite the wrong person to the table? Yeah. Rhythms of meetings, I think, birth out of that, depending on their uh, on whether or not they're following through and whether or not they should be sitting at the table anyway. Um, if I had a volunteer staff, I'd be doing monthly altogether at least, and I'd be doing one on ones once a month with each of them. Uh, maybe on the phone, maybe while they're driving home from work, whatever. But I would be doing regular one-on-ones to help bring them up. And then if they're volunteer staff, then I'd be meeting them together. The one big thing I would be emphasizing is, um, are they building teams? Yeah. Everything to me is like, can you build a team? Are you building a team? It's the place where I get most frustrated but I have to know going into it that they have that ability. So I'd meet month, at least monthly with them. I'd meet monthly one-on-one, even if it's just a quick phone call, how's everything going? In your role, it's how's everything going and then help, help that person remove whatever roadblocks they have so they can be successful as your graphic designer or as your children's director or whatever. Uh, what can I do to help you win even better? And that's, a, that's an important part in your one-on-ones with them. Like, what can I do on my side to help you win even better? It's a really important part. So I would do those things. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else you got, my man? Love it. I love it, man. Hey, so really wrestling through disciples, uh, discipleship in the church these days. Oh, and, <laughs> join so, the club. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's been a journey for about five years, just a deep dive for me. And obviously, the last two years has really exposed a lot of questions for us. You know, are, are we getting people, are we discipling people into our church? Are we discipling people to follow our pastor? Are we discipling people to follow Jesus? Um, you know, uh, so uh, just curious as you are seeing what's going on and your thoughts right now, like um, 
man, how should we best be approaching discipleship today? Is, mm-hmm. is our small group system, is it adequate enough? Um, what do you, what do you, I don't, well, I'd be curious to, to see where you're well, at with that right now. You know, um, I wish I had a really great answer for you. You know, yeah. I just got into a pretty good conversation with a pastor, a uh, friend of mine, um, a colleague. I wasn't coaching him. We were just talking. And uh, humorously and sadly, I say humorously and sadly, um, our conversation was um, discipling, disciple making is what we're called to do. And no one can honestly say they're doing it or even how to do it. But it's the thing we're called to do. It's an ironic thing. It's humor and sad at the same time. But I don't, because I think we're wrestling with a lot. I think people look at small groups. I think people, um, but I don't know if that's enough. You know, I think it's great. I think they're necessary. I think they create connection and community. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of needs that are met out of it for sure. And serving is just part of who we're called to to be as individuals. Uh, But that true, like, man, this guy really knows it. He's deep in the word. He's been brought there by us. Um, I'd like to say, man, yeah, we're killing it. Or I'd like to say, man, this buddy of mine up in Washington, he's killing it. You should contact him. Yeah, bro. It is, it is a really sad thing because I don't know if we're doing all that well with it. And, uh, um, I, I, (laughs) and it's the thing that we're to do the most, like, yeah, you know, the other thing I think is interesting is in discipleship. It's just interesting thing. Like, how do you describe that? Yeah. And how do you determine when someone has been discipled? So you might say, well, okay, first we know that they're being really generous. Well, maybe they're just a generous person. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But they're very, very involved in serving. Well, maybe they just have a servant's heart. They're not even, they (laughs) don't have to be a Christian to have a servant's heart. Uh, They just love volunteering or, oh no, no, man. They're, they're involved in a small group too. Oh, maybe they're just insanely relational and they want to go where anybody's gathering. So when you look at small group serving and giving, I think we look at that as characteristics of discipleship and I'm just throwing this out there. I don't have the answer. Is it possible that they are characteristics of discipleship, but they're not enough because you could do all those things and still be far from God and not even really because you like serving or you like giving or you're a generous person. I mean, I I got friends of mine that are non-christian guys that are just generous people they're just generous it's the way they're wired uh doesn't mean they're doing it on behalf of jesus they're just that way so it's a a, that's a uh that's a struggle somewhere we have to figure out i think duplicatability how do how because discipleship happens in, in in small settings it seems like i think you can teach the word in a bible study i think those are important but is there a way to figure out how do we actually do this one-on-one and is that yeah. even possible and in, in, a, in a bigger number and how how does that happen how do they do it and you know i can see it with jesus and the disciples but then you get into the book of acts when there's three thousand people and they're coming to the you know they're, they're coming to church daily like there's no way they could keep up with it and uh i i, I don't know what are your thoughts on it because i think I'm it's taking a good note. Yeah, I'm taking notes right now as, as you're talking, and you just said a great word, duplicatability. I, I never typed out that word, I don't think, ever in my life. 
I don't even know if it's a word. <laughs> it may not be. Is there a red it, squiggly it, line telling you it's not really there, a word? <laughs> there's definitely a red squiggly line underneath <laughs> it, yes. I'm just making up words over here. That's all I'm doing. Great. But I, I, the, it's so true, but it's hilarious. So yeah, we must figure out duplicatability, if that even is a word. But yeah, I think that's that's a key. I, uh, you know, To be honest, our, our church got hit really hard. I've talked to a few about this. Yeah. But we got hit really hard in the last two years. And has been very difficult, very challenging personally and organizationally. And coming out of that, basically just relaunched our church. We replanted our church and it's been a slow go coming out of it. But I've been wrestling with this question of like, do I really want to grow the church back again? Or do I really want to really disciple people? And are those, those feel like two different questions. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I think, you know, if we, if we make disciples, then the church grows, but if we grow the church, are we really making disciples? Yeah, it's great. So, uh, uh, it's a great question. Yeah. And then there's a wrestling of both, you know, the yeah. front half of the great commission and the back half of the great commission. Yep. You yep. know, um, we don't want to just sit around and have a hundred people sing Kumbaya to each other when mm-hmm. people are, you know, going to spend eternity without Jesus. So there's that side of it. It's like, no, he wants his children to come home. Mm-hmm. Then on the other side, it's like, yeah, but we got to go deep. I was, mm-hmm. I think you and I talked about it one time. I know I've talked about it with some other people. A lot of people, you know, have come back from, from uh, the uh, uh, pandemic and all that. And they come back strong. Not everybody has. A lot of churches hasn't come back as strong. More haven't than have, that's for sure. Yeah. Is it, And this is one thing I I think I shared on one of these podcasts. I I know I was talking to a friend about it a couple weeks ago. Is it possible that the entire time we were creating people that their entire faith was wrapped up in their church attendance? And when, when the church attendance got taken away because of a pandemic, so did their faith. Yeah. Because their faith was only wrapped up, if you look at it as tentacles, you know, serving, giving, relationship, reading the Bible, prayer, whatever tentacles you would call it, the only tentacle we sort of connected with them in their faith was church attendance. And soon that was gone, so were they. Uh, and that yeah. that might be a harsh reality that we have to face. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's a great, it is yeah. a great, Yeah. Well, I'm really wrestling with right now. And oh man, it's worth. We wrestling. have we've we've launched uh, instead of focusing on small groups this year, uh, we oh. launched uh, an intense discipleship initiative, and so I'm oh. training a small group of twelve right now to make disciples who make disciples. So we've we've kind of leaned into this, and yeah. I wrestle with like you know I'm not I don't have as many people involved in small groups right now in our church. Like that's always been the thrust, but man, we've really narrowed our focus. And to be honest, my wife and I, it's like the, the most fun we have doing church right now uh, above everything else. Wow. Um, outside of, I, I love the, the public gathering and the preaching. I really enjoy that, but I really look forward to this group that we meet with every single week. And we're training them on how to, how to just make disciples and have conversations with people and share your faith. And wow. And uh, it's really been a joy. And so just kind of seeing where this goes. Are you taking them through kind of a set subjects that you're trying to hit with them? Yeah, yeah, we are. And so I'm, I'm actually going through a training right now from a group called the Timothy Initiative. I don't oh, yeah. I've heard of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they've, you know, they're overseeing, uh, you know, huge movements of discipleship and really revival through discipleship uh, in, in foreign countries across the world. And they're yeah. just now trying it here and finding things that work here. And so 
I just stumbled across it in my discipleship journey and love what they're doing and how they're doing it. And so I thought, let's do this. Let's, let's yeah, launch something. Great. Let's see if we can have a discipleship movement right here in Phoenix. And so we've just really been leaning into that for the last three months and it's been a joy. It's been fun and uh, just really excited to see where it goes and how it, how it, uh, how it integrates with the rest of the church too. Those are things we're all figuring out and, and navigating. Wow. Those are great. Well, I, I, uh, I think it's awesome that you're wrestling with it. You know, yeah. I think that's the way you find discovery um, or the, that you find solutions is through discovery is, and is through wrestling with things and like, well, that didn't work. Well, that worked. Well, that was good. <laughs> that wasn't good. Uh, I think that's, you know, I think that's part of creation. You're just kind of creating as individuals, as humans, you know, you're figuring out what's working and what's not working and you're wrestling through that. And I think that's a great thing to wrestle through. And being able to find that balance, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think there's souls to be one. He leaves the 99 yeah. to find the one. Yeah, that's it. Well, that, you know, yeah. that's, that's a pretty strong statement when you leave 99 to find the one. It doesn't mean he abandoned them, but he was so important that he went and found that one. Um, so balancing out like, okay, man, we are going to be in this discipleship mode. Like we're going to go after it in a way we've never gone after it. At the same time, we're also going to go after the lost in a way we've never gone after the lost. And being able to balance both those out, because I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can't say, well, we're going to do one and the other. It's like, mm, I don't, I think it has to be both. You have to figure out how to do both, because uh, both matter to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. That's great, man. Those are great questions. Those are great questions. Well, yeah, I'll be curious to see how this goes too. And I can. Yeah. Feel you as the journey right. continues. But Crush we're, it. We're, we're going to put you on a podcast when you disciple 10,000 people. <laughs> oh, man. Come on. You know, I'd, love to, I'd love to see that here in Phoenix, man. That'd oh, that's be, awesome. Phenomenal. I love it. Well, that's great. Yeah, I met guys last fall that are, that are doing that, man. They're, they're overseeing just these simple guys from like from India. One guy's from India and he's, he oversees like 300 churches in India. And there's just oh, thousands wow. of believers through this network of churches that uh, he's helped to plant. And that's so awesome. Yeah, Man, I'd, so, love to, uh, I'd love to talk more about, see how that goes. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. You, you get 12 people kind of think about that number with Jesus, which I'm sure probably is where you got it from. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're just thinking how it came. It ha- it's actually, it was accidental. That's who was really interested in signing up. That's amazing. This, so. Well, yeah. it's the Lord kind of leading you yeah. to a number. I think there is a number by which you're able to, and I don't know what it is, but there's gotta be a number by which you're able to influence at that discipleship level. Yeah, it's not 500, true. not one person. Like, there's just, that's just not possible. Uh, but maybe it is 12, maybe it's 10, I don't know. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see if instead of spinning off small groups, which normally you build a small group and you spin one off, yeah. what if we yeah. spin off discipleship groups? Yeah. You know, and then what that'd be an interesting thing is here's Tyrone's yeah. church running, whatever, fast forward running 500 people, but we've got 200 people in these intense discipleship programs, but we're still yeah. winning the loss. Like that's an, that would be a beautiful combination. We're seeing all these new people come to Christ that's going up on Sunday morning, but then our discipleship intent discipleship, Timothy initiative type thing is going up as well. That's a, that's a, that's an amazing yeah. recipe. That would be cool. Yeah. Yep. I, love it. I agree. I love it. What else you got, man? I got a few more minutes. You got one more question for me. Okay. A few more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's ask some, some, some big, big question here then. Yeah, everyone's yeah, kind of right. Let's do it. Uh, so in light of the last two years, what are some changes that you really feel 
the church needs to make in our country here in America. Maybe we just tackled one of them, but yeah, um, just just kind of reflecting. Okay, it's been two years now. What are some yep. changes we really need to consider and make here as 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 church well, leaders? Well, yep one one we already hit on, um, and I've seen that with all the churches across America. I think we're realizing that we attach people's faith to church attendance. It's got to get yeah. deeper than that, and. Whatever that answer is, I think you're on it, exploring that. I think other people might be exploring that. Uh, I think that's an important piece that we've got to look at and think, man, if we only created people's faith based on church attendance, that's just not sustainable, man. That's sand. That's not solid rock. Uh, and we got to do better than that. Um, and so I think that's come back. I think what has shifted as well uh, is more people, people wanting to belong more than they even want to believe which I'm not saying that's good or bad uh, because I think, you know, whatever, as long as they come in and they, we get them in and they're barely saved and they become disciples. That's the whole goal anyway. Um, but I think people want to belong. Uh, and I think there's been a big shift and I've talked about it on the, on the podcast here. There's been a big shift from focusing on attendance to focusing on engagement. It's been a huge shift on that where people are focusing on how do we get people engaged in the life of the church faster, better, easier, however you want to say it, um, rather than focusing on, we're going to be 400 by the end of the year. I'm like, no, we're going to actually engage a hundred new people by the end of the year. Cause if I engage a hundred new people, you'll probably get the attendance growth. Yeah. If you focus on the attendance growth, you won't get this, but if you focus on the engagement goal, engagement, getting people involved in the life of the church, you'll ultimately get them into the attendance. That has been a that has been a paramount subject <laughs> that's been discussed yeah. all across the United States with different pastors. I don't know. I feel like maybe the pandemic has caused us to realize it. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's been a shift. Maybe there's a sense of wanting people want to belong. They want to know that they're, they're doing something. Maybe um, the shortness of our span is growing where I come to the church. I like it, but I'll come two or three times, but if we don't engage them quicker, they don't stay around long enough to become disciples. So how do we engage them quicker? I yeah. think that's just become a really big topic, um, really big topic. The average person post or pre-pandemic got it involved in ministry somewhere between four and six months after deciding that was their church home. And now you're talking to guys going, man, let's try to get that down to two months. Yeah, and It gets crazy. It doesn't mean they're going to teach something or be a worship leader, but like, let them be a greeter once a month, but get them plugged in. Like that is yeah. becoming a hot topic for sure. Yeah. Huh. You know, I'd be curious to see now, what are the stats on how the average church goer, how often they attend church now? Cause it, what did it used to be, you know, like it had dropped maybe below two a month. One point seven. It was one point yeah, seven. <laughs> what is it now? You know, ah, is it no idea? Point. 0.5 to come once every two months. I, you know. I think it's dropped from 1.7 to yeah. lower. You think about the average person was attending 1.7 Sundays per month. Uh, and that number, yeah. in my opinion, I, I would, I would guess, I don't, you know, there's not enough data. I don't have any data and I don't know if there's enough time to create the data. Uh, but I would not be surprised if it dropped below 1.7. I think for sure it's done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, Easy. Which is a, you know, just, uh, it's a, it's a statement, you know, it's yep. very, it's very, uh, very loose affiliation. Uh, well, what's interesting then is, you know, we're, we're working to get people engaged as well, just like everybody else is, but yeah. it's interesting to see some people like, 
we got them scheduled to serve and they show up to the one service that they're going to serve at, but they didn't go to the other service. So that's the oh, yeah. only reason they showed up that Sunday. <laughs> they show up to pass out the bulletin or the bucket or whatever they're to give out the donut. Ministry. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. And then they're out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, I guess if we hadn't scheduled them, they wouldn't have come at all. I guess. I don't know. So that's yeah. it's, it's something, but yeah. Yeah. Moving them beyond that. That's, that's the I goal. So one other thing I do think that there's a shift, um, I think there's becoming a heightened awareness or attention to churches moving and pastors moving from pastoring the church to pastoring the city. I, 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 I keep seeing that. I wrote a book about it, Indispensable Church, yeah. how to do that. But that, that's becoming a bigger topic. That, that, and I yeah. think because, because humanitarian issues huh. become hotter topics, the celebrity, the this, the that, that everybody, you know, do something, pay back, you know, it's time to pay it forward, whatever, whatever they do, you know, um, people are kind of in that mode of doing that. And I think the church can capitalize on that quite a bit because, hey, we're going to go do something great for the school or we're going to uh, make the teacher's lounge better at the elementary school down the street. We're going to do whatever, whatever million projects that you could do. I think that's becoming a bigger thing. I think, I don't know if church has driven that as much as culture driven that, uh, where humanitarian and being involved and doing something. Um, I think it's a great entry point. I think it's a great connection from the community to the church. When we begin to serve the community, the church serves the community. And I've seen it where, you know, I, I know for a fact, not only at at South Hills, uh, where I serve as a founding pastor, but multiple other churches I know, they've actually put on an event to go clean a school or do something. They got 40 volunteers and you know, five, six, seven, eight people that show up that don't go to church at all. Saw it on the yeah. website, heard about it. They just show up. And I'm like, it's because it's people are becoming this more humanitarian. And if we don't sort of learn to meet needs under this umbrella of humanitarian, I think we miss a great opportunity to connect yep. to the city, to pastor, not only the church, pastor the city. That's good. Yeah. That's the things I, I love that. Yeah, my man. Well, Hey dude, I, uh, I got to jump on this next call, but man, it is, <laughs> it's always awesome talking to you and, uh, you too, man. Thank you. Keep up the incredible work in Arizona. Thanks for stopping by today. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and to be on the lookout for more podcasts from Fly on the Wall. See you next time.